This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Well, we're looking at a little bit of some snow shower activity through the morning hours. Not much in the way of accumulation, and the wind's pretty substantial. Today, the high temperature's only going to be in the mid-30s compared to the upper 40s and even some 50s yesterday. Winds are expected to die down by this evening. Meanwhile, motorists today can expect gusts that could exceed 30 miles an hour, along with a few areas of light snow complicating the drive. The snow began to fall about 2 o'clock this morning in the greater Binghamton area. Only Shenango County Emergency Communications officials said they knew of the road crews going out to treat the streets. Drivers will need to be alert and watch out for garbage cans and other hazards blowing across the road. Yesterday, there were hundreds of New York State Electric and Gas customers without power for short periods of time. As of two this morning, close to four dozen customers in Shenango County and Bainbridge, Coventry, and Oxford had their power out, and we're expecting the restoration time before daybreak. Binghamton University graduate Hakeem Jeffries has been chosen by Democrats to serve as minority leader in the House of Representatives. The 52-year-old Brooklyn native was elected to the leadership post yesterday. Jeffries is a 1992 graduate of BU, earning a bachelor's degree in political science. He is the first Binghamton graduate to be elected to Congress. The Broome County District Attorney's Office is reporting another repeat felony offender is going back to prison. 34-year-old Douglas Holton of Binghamton was sentenced to five years in prison and five years post-release supervision after pleading guilty to felony attempted robbery in connection with an incident in which store employees in Johnson City were threatened with a box cutter. Holton admitted that on June 14th he attempted to shoplift merchandise from the Walmart and threatened an employee when and he was confronted. He had previously been convicted in 2008 of attempted robbery in Broome County. Authorities in Shenango County are reporting four people are facing charges after a person was hit several times with an aluminum baseball bat at a business south of Norwich. Norwich police were called with a report of an assault at around quarter of seven Saturday evening and arrested Jeffrey Sabines, Jason Lowe, Daniel McCoy, and Meredith Conkey on Sunday. Investigators say Sabines knows the victim and drug and drug paraphernalia were found at the location. One person who was beaten was taken to Wilson Hospital in Johnson City for treatment of multiple injuries. That person has since been released from the hospital. A Cortland County woman is accused of trying to scam the public assistance system. Cortland County Sheriff's officials say 34-year-old Amy Santos of Cortland is accused of filing fraudulent paperwork with the Department of Social Services and failed to provide income information in order to receive $2,700 in benefits to which she was not entitled. She was released in order to appear in Cortland City Court later on this month. Outgoing New York State Senator Fred Akshar is asking the state controller to look into what happened to millions of dollars in state grants that were supposed to be coming to over a dozen local projects. The Binghamton Republican and Broome County Sheriff-elect says the projects were approved in previous state budgets for the state municipal facilities program funding but never got their allocations. Projects include the Greater Good Grocery Store in the north side of Binghamton, upgrades to Binghamton Parks, road improvements in Broome County, the Discovery Center, an emergency response vehicle for the town of Maine, and improvements 
improvements to Morabito Stadium in Binghamton. Akshar is asking Democrat controller Thomas DiNapoli for a full and comprehensive audit of several state grants programs that have gone unpaid. The Village of Endicott has announced the details of this weekend's only remaining holiday parade in Broome County. For many years, there have been parades in Binghamton hosted by Boscov's department store and a nighttime parade in Johnson City coordinated by the Business Women's Association. But both of those events ended with the start of the pandemic and as the Johnson City event ran into issues with funding support. The Endicott Parade will take place starting at 4 p.m. Saturday on the North Street side of Washington Avenue and proceed south to Main Street. Police Chief Pat Gary, meanwhile, says due to the large crowd that's expected, people who are not coming for the parade may want to plan on detouring around the Center Village Business District for a few hours on Saturday. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecasts a 60% chance of snow showers through midday, new accumulation less than a half inch, partly sunny, gusty winds up to 31 miles per hour, a high in the mid-30s. Tonight, partly cloudy, a low in the low to mid-20s, with the winds becoming light and variable. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WMBF. I'm Joseph live at WNBF. Let's do it. Live 607-772-1290. That is the official number. If you try calling on any other number, who knows what will happen. Maybe you'll reach me at some other number, but that's not the official number. In a crowded city Dancing at a park, sort of. Like a dance park. Near Beethoven Street, where the tennis courts used to be. That's what they should do. They put in like a dance a dance floor where the tennis courts used to be. And we could call it Dance Park. And uh, we could dedicate it to Rodman Serling. Good morning, America, and first order of business, a hearty congratulations from everybody in Binghamton and vicinity to Hakeem Jeffries. What an amazing story. Hakeem Jeffries, who graduated, um, I guess he, he went to Binghamton University, we're told. We're told that. I have no reason to doubt it. Uh, he is said to be a 1992 graduate of Binghamton University. And now look, he's poised to become a speaker in the House of Representatives. So obviously uh, going forward in a few weeks after the uh, beloved Nancy Pelosi steps down as House Speaker, uh, Hakeem Jeffries will become the minority leader. And so he'll be minority leader for two years. And then one would think probably in January 2025, Hakeem Jeffries, a Binghamton University graduate who earned a bachelor's degree in political science right here in uh, the town of Vestal, uh, then he'll be 
Speaker of the House. So I think Binghamton University will be able to use that in all their promotional literature. Hakeem Jeffries, the first Binghamton University graduate, becomes Speaker of the House of Representatives. So you figure in uh, probably just over two years, he'll be the man. The man with the plan. And then he can work with um, President Sanders. You thought I was going to say President AOC. No. No. AOC won't become president, at least not in 2025. But wouldn't it be fascinating? Again, when it comes to politics, we can all speculate because that's what it's about. Political news is mostly speculation about what's going to happen in the, the future. So we could speculate. Hakeem Jeffries could become Speaker of the House, and you could picture... In January 2025, I guess it would be January 20th, 2025, with Bernie Sanders being sworn in as President of the United States, Hakeem Jeffries as Speaker of the House, and Charles Schumer as the Senate Majority Leader. So you've got two guys from Brooklyn, and I understand that Hakeem Jeffries and Charles Schumer are virtually neighbors in Brooklyn. Apparently their homes are less than a mile apart. So think about this. You would have, actually, if that happens, and again, this is all pure speculation, but hey, could happen if Hakeem Jeffries is Speaker of the House in January 2025. Charles Schumer still would be Senate Majority Leader. And then Bernie Sanders, the new president, the one thing all three of them would have in common is they've all been in downtown Binghamton. Obviously, Hakeem Jeffries was in downtown Binghamton during his time as a student at Binghamton University. Senator Charles Schumer has been in downtown Binghamton a number of times. And who could forget when Bernie Sanders was in downtown Binghamton, just uh, about a block away. He was over at the arena. So think of how, how beneficial it could be for the city of Binghamton and, and for the entire region to have three national leaders who all would be able to find downtown Binghamton on a map. I don't think that's ever happened before. So anyway, Hakeem Jeffries... Uh, chosen by his colleagues, the Democrats, in the House to be their leader after Nancy Pelosi steps down. Uh, Jeffries, as I mentioned, graduated from Binghamton University three decades ago. Try to get him on the program, see what he can remember about his times on, on Court Street and State Street. Ask him if he ever... If you ever stopped by the WNBF Tower when he was in downtown Binghamton, I was speculating with someone last night about um, the time that Hakeem Jeffries was in Binghamton as a student. You know, imagine, if you will, uh, some of the good times that he remembers. So congratulations to Hakeem Jeffries. He was uh, also one of the, I guess, the, the House impeachment manager, one of the House impeachment managers from not the second impeachment, the first impeachment. So it's hard. You need a scorecard these days to keep track of the impeachments. 
Uh, also, I looked up in the uh, archives of the Press and Sun Bulletin. Um, really, the only time I saw a mention in the Binghamton newspaper about Hakeem Jeffries when he was a student is he was a member of the Black Student Union. And they say he held a news conference in February 1992 to defend the organization's sponsorship of a campus event featuring his controversial uncle, Leonard Jeffries. At the time, Leonard Jeffries was a professor at City College of New York before he got ousted. He had been criticized for comments he had made about white people and Jews. And then ultimately, Leonard Jeffries I believe, did speak on the Vestal campus, but uh, according to the news account going back to early 1992, Hakeem Jeffries held a news conference to uh, deal with the questions that were being raised. Also, when he uh, came back a few years ago, when he was speaking on the Vestal campus, he uh, noted, Hakeem Jeffries noted, he met his future wife at Binghamton University. And uh, he had a lot of praise for Binghamton. He said he received a first-rate elite college education at an affordable price. And if you go to our website, WNBF.com, we also have uh, posted a video from when Congressman Hakeem Jeffries was at Binghamton University, and he talked a bit about the education that he received right here. So, again, heartfelt congratulations from everybody in the Binghamton area to Congressman Hakeem Jeffries as he prepares to become the Democratic leader in the House in just a few weeks. 918 at WNBF. Let's go to the phones at 607-772-1290. Dale in Binghamton. Good morning. Morning, Bob. I didn't realize you got up so early in the morning. I was listening there, and your, your hours changed. But anyway, um, Lilo Mack, I, I, uh, back in 1975, I uh, bought a stereo with a pair of headphones. And I was dancing around and everything. And <laughs> you don't just listen to the good music, you know. And uh, my father walked in on me and stuff. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. <laughs> So I just stood there with the headphones on my head, you know, and listened to the music, you know. Well, it was just great music. It was great music. Fantastic. Yeah. That's that's uh and some people see I know some people who who thought it was too commercial because no, some, some it of was my all together. Well, it, it, it and the thing together. is it was it was perfect it was perfect music for radio, AM or FM. Oh, that's boy. that's around the time that that uh, music stations were starting to shift over to FM, but still some AM oh, stations, yeah. uh, you oh, know. Before that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, what a what a great album! I, I mentioned a short time ago that of all the vinyl I own, uh, the mm -hmm. only album that I believe I have two two copies of is yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've still i still have most of my vinyl collection but i don't have a good turntable wow. i don't have a good yeah, what i need to do well yeah. and they, they you still can, make them yeah you can still buy them but good turntables these days are expensive yep they are <laughs> that was a turntable too and uh and the radio yep it was uh it was a lifestyle 
And I'm looking. Well, anyway, that's all. Here, listen to this. Listen to um, this shows you how much prices have changed. Looking, remember, there used yeah. to be a store at the, they used to call it the Oakdale Mall. I believe that yeah, used to be in Johnson City. Mall. Remember when they yeah. had that there? They had a, yeah. a store called Record Land. And, oh, Record Land, yeah. Yep, yeah, in 1977. <laughs> listen to their record prices. Oh, guess wait. well. Guess how much they had? They had Fleetwood Mac, they had Boz Skaggs, they had Doobie Brothers, and oh, um, and Queen Night at the Opera. Guess how much they were selling their so-called LPs for the vinyl on sale? A lot. No, not a lot. Think low. Oh, oh, back uh, yeah, back in the day it was. Low. Yeah, 1977, 45 years ago. Guess what the record prices were, according to an ad in the Sun Bulletin. Three or four dollars. Yeah, actually three ninety nine. <laughs> and tape. Oh, remember tape? Tape five ninety nine. Oh, and on the tapes too. Yeah. I used to have a uh, couple of them in my car and stuff. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I'm looking at. It was, uh, it was an exciting time. At the newspaper from 1977, and next to the Recordland ad, there's uh, an ad for Endicott Johnson for uh, their oh, store at the Oakdale oh, DJ, Mall. Yeah. And used to be down here in the, uh, in, uh, oh, the, the mall that's closed down here for now, but whatever. Yeah. They had men's dress yeah. shoes for $5. Yeah, I know. <laughs> know. That's when <laughs> prices, you know, it was still there. Yeah. You know, that but, leather shop, I've, I've had, uh, things done down there. They, they do an excellent job, you know, and they're still there. I know. I know. It's great stuff, man. All right. Thanks for yep. the memories. Yep. 922 WNBF. Bob Joseph live on a Thursday morning. Gary from the West Side. Hey, Bob. Hello. Hey, you know, Audio Technica makes a very good turntable, but you can also, they have a thing in the back, which I really haven't used yet, but uh, you could record your vinyl to, I guess, like, one of the chips or something, and then you can download it and make digital musical music out of it. But well, thanks for pointing audio. that out. Yeah, I yeah. just uh, yeah, it's a pretty good. One. I just punched it up, and actually, looking at some of their uh, turntables, they're at, they're not as expensive as I thought. I see there's there's one down at I can't mention the name, but the kids call it Best Buy over in Vestal, and they have a turntable that says I can pick it up today for 150 bucks. So. It, I, I'm sure for yeah. 150 bucks, it's not the best. They have others that are uh, more pricey, but I bet for my purposes, I bet that would be fine. Yeah, 500 bucks will get you a good turntable, but 150, 250 gets you a good opening. Start to it. Hey, I was watching TV last night, and uh, Fred Akshar was on, and he was pretty upset. He was upset that New York State is it paying what they said they would pay. And, you know, I was kind of, I, Fred Akshaw was right. He's right. Pay up New York state. If you committed this money, what's the delay? I mean, I, you know, and then I read other things too, where it's like the, uh, democratic, uh, initiatives, they got funded Republican. They did not get funded. Why is, why is this an issue? Why not just, if you said you were going to pay New York state, then pay it. That poor gro that grocery store, they had to take out a high-interest loan to keep going. 
I mean, that's just not right. You know, and Fred Akshaw was right. This time, you know, he may be on his way out, but at least he's fighting for something till the end. Well, I thought, I saw that too, and I they sent me a news release. I thought it was kind of them to send me a news release, but I thought if he really was angry, if he truly had the courage of his convictions, he would call in. No, he wouldn't call in. He would stop into the WNBF studio and discuss it in person in the studio if he really wanted those millions of dollars for his district. If he thought that there was some sort of political shenanigans going on where Republicans were being treated differently than Democrats, you would think he would come in here because, trust me, people outside Binghamton, even some people in Albany, and even some people in New York City listen to this program. So he must not be that angry. He was angry enough to go hold a news conference yesterday morning at 11 while I was tied here to the studio doing the program. But he wasn't angry enough before the news conference to stop over here and communicate the message directly to people in Albany who might be able to do something about it. Well, you have a point. And, you know, for whatever reason, he has a rift with you. He doesn't want to come on. He used to come on. And and you graciously let him on. I forget they were, they were doing a donation or something like that. Yeah, he's been he's up. been on a couple of times for very very laser specific purposes because that's what they wanted. And you know me, I try to accommodate people. But even though they they don't come yeah. on your show, oh, you yeah. let them come on and do that. You know, right? I think I, I think I, that oh, yeah. I think that shows uh, a certain degree because some people, and I won't name names, but some people, if the same situation was occurring, where a person who used to be on regularly to discuss all relevant topics, where suddenly they're um, no longer available, suddenly if they had a special uh, subject or a cause they wanted to talk about on the program. Of some hosts would say, no way, no way. Yeah. But I always I say way great. because I, I, believe, I believe that this program serves the community. Of course, I'm selfish. It serves my interest, too, because I love doing it. But more important than me is the relevance of the program to the community. You took the high road. Maybe uh, Mr. Akshar could have come on your show and, and said the same thing that he said on television. But, you know... It, but trust me, it, here's the one thing I know, Gary. Very few, if any, people in Albany at the Capitol ever watch Action News or News Channel 34 or Fox 40. Um, they, they won't see it there. Maybe they'll see it online. But some people at the Capitol do on occasion listen to this program so i'm just saying you know if you want to communicate a message you know the courage of convictions and you're angry because it appears that the people here in the binghamton area in his senate district are people and organizations are being treated shabbily simply because of partisan differences you would think you would come in and say bob this is this is an important issue to our community. May I please, please come into the program studio and let's discuss this because maybe Governor Hochul or at least one of her people who listens to the state's talk shows might hear the message and maybe they'll say, yeah, you know, right? That's right. It's very petty to withhold money that was already granted and maybe as a Christmas gift or a holiday gift, I'm sorry, a holiday gift to the people of the 52nd Senate District, including the Greater Good Grocery Store and the Binghamton Rumble Ponies and all the other organizations, 
we will free up the money and get it to them by the end of the week. Oh, so what's what's the in, in your now with your knowledge, Bob, of the way the government works in Albany, how they release money and stuff? They they gave money to the refugees from Ukraine, right? They they got money for that, and they paid them already, right? They're giving it to them now. So, you know, I don't understand that how that money can be released, but yet money that they already promised isn't getting released. What's what's your view on that? My view, and I only know one side of it, trust me, I don't know the explanation from either the governor's office or from Democrats who control the legislature. Remember, in Albany, everything is controlled by Democrats, and most of the things in Albany are controlled by downstate Democrats. Granted, Kathy Hochul is an upstate governor, but she doesn't control everything. I still think most of what happens in state government ultimately is controlled by Democrats who don't really give a darn about Binghamton. So that's my theory. And so my guess is they're slow walking this funding. Eventually it's going to come through. That's my that's my belief. But I think they're just trying to excuse the expression screw with people down here including the Republican senator and those who support him, and and just the fact even those who didn't support him, they're screwing with people in Broome and Tioga counties. It's just like, look at Tioga County with the condition of the roads. Do you think there's a reason why the DOT treats roadways in Tioga County differently than in Broome County? Of course there is, because Tioga County votes Republican. Broome County votes Democrat, so take a look. Go on Route 17 or Route 434. Look at the difference right at the county line. You can tell what county tends to vote Democratic and what county to the west tends to vote Republican. And the road conditions. Potholes. And worse. And worse. Mm. It's not just potholes. It's no wonder wonder it can't be upgraded to Interstate 86 because it's falling apart. Besides that, so so the Democrats, their main issue is that you know they want to have they don't want to have food. Not that their main issue, but part of their agenda is they don't want to have uh, food deserts and things like that. Well, you know, right here, the Greater Good Grocery, you know, that's the only store that they have in that neighborhood, right? So. If you're a Democrat, why wouldn't you want that money to go to them, right? Because this is what you stand for, unless you really don't stand behind it. You just say that you want that and let the cards fall where they may. Is that what's going on? I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't seem like they're that interested in it. Well, how about this? Maybe they're just waiting until the district is represented by a Democrat one month from today. Maybe all of a sudden mysteriously, when Uh the district is represented for the first time in in memory uh, by a Democrat, suddenly all that money that was appropriated will suddenly flow to the greater good grocery and for the the stadium improvements, the Morabito Stadium and and so on. And you'll think we'll see uh, probably the first week of January someone standing in the greater good grocery store commenting on how you know they got the money and all sure this now. maybe maybe yeah, she'll be right. there with oprah i don't know 
Oh, touche. I see what you did there. <laughs> oh, Bob, there's no off position on the genius switch. So all of a sudden, Senator Akshar said, Bob, I'm coming right in. If you're going to be talking like that, I'm with you, baby. I say thank you to uh, Mr. Akshar for at least coming out and stating it, knowing that you know he's going to get not, probably nothing accomplished because of what's happening. But at least he's coming out and saying well, it and making guys like me aware of it. Right, and guys like me. I was unaware of it till he, till he held the news conference and sent out the news release. I didn't know this was going on. Now, there might be, in fairness to the Democrats who control New York state government, there might be a perfectly logical reason why this has happened. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the Senate Majority Leader or the Assembly Speaker or the State Controller or the Governor or all of them to call in and explain why the money has been held up here in the 52nd Senate District. That would be an Did interesting call. call into you? Have, you? have you spoken with the Napoli? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's yeah, a good guy. A his, so, right? his, uh, yeah. his, his uh, chief spokesperson, she's from Owego. She loves the program. For all I know, she's listening now. Well, for all, for all I know, he's Napoli. listening. Well, maybe Tom DiNapoli will call in. He might. Now, Tom DiNapoli, unlike some people in Albany who shall remain nameless, no, he's willing to come on the program. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, that's a, then let him state why, why the money is being well, held he might. back. Who knows? And, and maybe the truth is, because I think the, the point of Senator Akshar's appearance before the TV cameras Wednesday, I think the point of that was to get Tom DiNapoli's attention. Maybe, maybe DiNapoli actually will straighten things out, and maybe the money will come within a matter of days, as opposed to waiting till January when the Senate district is represented by a Democrat. Because if that's what they're doing, that is a truly cynical ploy, Gary. Oh, yeah, it is. And we can't, we can't take any more cynical ploys. Thank you. 934. John from Binghamton. Good morning. Hi, Bob. Uh, uh, why wasn't uh, Fred Atcher on this before the election? Well, that's a good real- question, too. You know, but again, since he doesn't come on the program, we'll never be able to ask him. But there's an excellent question because it's not as though it just happened. Yes, it's still happening. But why wait? You know, he's he's probably three or four weeks from having to clean out his office and, and take all of his stuff out of the Capitol. So he gets set for his next adventure here in Broome County. So why that that's an excellent question. And if he were to come on the program which, of course, there's no risk of that happening. But if he were to come on the program, I would ask him, why did you wait until uh, almost four weeks after the election to, to bring this up? Why not bring it up earlier in the year? Well, he had photo ops at the Greater Good uh, grocery store during this campaign. Uh, and I bel- he had to have known about it, right? Sure. Well, so, here's the problem. Yeah. Here's the problem, Bob. These announcements are timed for politics. They're, in other words, you wouldn't you you wouldn't announce these things until this, these agencies had the check in their hands. That's the way you announce them. Instead, they're timed uh, to the election cycle. 
So we've seen numerous projects. You and I together, we can name 12, 18 projects, 20 projects uh, that never, ever materialized. Uh, the school districts, uh, the state budgets determine year by year uh, a promise uh, of reimbursement on any level, a transfer payment on any level, is subject to the budget and subject to the release of funds. Everybody knows this. This is why there's a counterparty risk involved when you uh, think you have a claim uh, on funds that you don't have in your hands. So that's the intelligent thing to do. Uh, this is too little, too late. Akshar's staff was busy on, on three or four campaigns at one time. Uh, that's what they were doing. Uh, they weren't uh, uh, riding herd on this issue. So it's, a com it's, it's the end, uh, a complete fake out by this guy who is known and prone uh, to complete and utter dishonesty. And uh, he's a bad man. Well, so say you. That's your opinion. Well, uh, I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. I, I'm in no position to, to support that assessment. Come on, well, man. Well, come on, man. Let's now let's let's get real uh, about uh, what's going on here. And I just want to say a few sentences to the IDA. In the past, I've been successful with one agency, and that's the agency that regulates these public authorities. They've been very good to me over the years when I present an issue. And I have presented this issue of this inflated purchase price option on these parcels of uh, Airport Road. And I did receive a response. In fact, I even enclosed your uh, WNBF news story on it. And uh, these are the people that helped me rid the IDA of both Terry Kane and George Akel, who had complete conflicts of interest. And after I dropped a dime, and I informed the IDA at meetings that I was going to drop a dime on them, and I did, and the situation was rectified. They were also uh, invaluable in uh, uh, tearing apart the records of the IDA uh, by a Syracuse nonprofit that came down here uh, to uh, do some business. So, uh, this here's 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 the rub. Jason Garner needs projects. You see, what these development projects are is they generate campaign contributions. That's why Jason Garner isn't concerned about the mundane issue. If you call him, uh, if the county road isn't plowed or whatever, he's not interested in that. What he's interested in is big projects that have big campaign contributions attached to them, and that's the deal here. You get American if you if you he's running a classic pay-to-play operation there. Uh, Matt Paulus was just the beginning. Uh, on and on to all these other projects. These develop these these uh, before these projects even get going, they extract a huge developmental development fee. You've got the IDA lending developers uh, of working capital funds. But l let me tell you something. Uh, and this guy that's a signatory to this agreement uh, on the on the property. Uh, that Garner wants to buy. And why Garner's involved, I don't know. He's not supposed to have anything to do with the IDA. 
but they're accommodating him because of he wants to run for re-election, obviously. But this is a county employee. This guy heads a department at the county, has a very high-paying job, and he's also an acting village of Johnson City Justice. He's, he's the signatory uh, on behalf of the family uh, that is selling the property. Now, it's not only outrageous that the, the property is five times, five times the value, but it's it's also many many times the assessed valuation of the property what the IDA is doing it's functioning as a great wealth transfer device from the homeowners and the small business owners the bungalow owners and the small property owners subsidize all these IDA activities and they take from you in terms of granting abatements and higher taxes for you while they reward uh, these big shots. That's what it's about. And I'm telling you this. I mean, I was amused by Bucci's statement. Well, I don't. In other words, the appraiser comes in. And uh, look, um, my uh, my family had 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 property there for decades, you know, in that general area and uh, wooded acreage to die for. Uh, we never could get a thousand dollars an acre for for that property. Uh, you know, we we list it, we put signs up. Uh, there was no interest, and there's no interest in this property except except to make Garner look like he's a big shot developer. Uh, this guy is. Uh, uh, not a big shot developer. Uh, he is over his head, and the IDA, which is supposed to be an independent agency, and how you could vote for this? Oh yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll pay this family uh, that has connections to Garner in the county five times what it's worth. I mean, well, it's interesting. It's interesting how how it's all transpired. I'm, I, I'm mystified myself. Thank you, John. It's nine. 41 Bob Joseph live here at News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM 12:90 AM and streaming at wnbf.com recording WNBF. Remembering Christine McVie. Back to phones we go. Larry from Kirkwood, you're on the air. Well, I had meant to say your worst nightmare a little while ago, but you know, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> okay. Hey, you still there? Well, I'm afraid so. Okay. So I was a, a, little, a little sad to hear about Christy McVie dying, but uh, you're talking about uh, that you have. Two rumors album, one albums, and one's uh, still in the wrapping. There, um, I think the rumors album is pretty valuable, isn't it? Or am I wrong about that? 
I'll have to look it up. Uh, yeah, yeah. It hadn't even occurred to me. I mean, it may be, especially yeah, since, yeah. again, it, it was in, in the original shrink wrap, never touched by human hands. So, mm-hmm. And now, unfortunately, a lot of times with, uh, with, with music, uh, sometimes the value of certain things increases right yeah, after yeah. we lose someone. So I, I, it hadn't even occurred to me if there's any, any specific value to that. I'm not sure, yeah. though, because so many millions were were sold. So I'm guessing there might still be thousands of, um, of those vinyl albums out somewhere that, that also yeah. are still still in the, the original rap. Right. Well, I mean, I, I know it sounds a little bit kind of insensitive to talk about something like that. You know, well, I don't like know that it is. I mean, look. But, you know. That's part it's of life. Yeah. What's well, part of life after after Elvis died? Suddenly, all all of his music albums and so on. Well, or same with Michael Jackson, or or any any musician, any entertainer who uh, especially dies unexpectedly. Now, I didn't realize Christine McVie was seventy nine, and I guess yeah, she had yeah, been I, she had been in in poor health, but I didn't realize it. So the the news of her death, I think, came as a big surprise to most of us. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I appreciate the memories. All right. Bless you, man. 9.48. This is Bob Joseph. On a Thursday morning, WNBF and WNBF.com. Sacred Heart. WNBF. 9.51. Bob Joseph live on WNBF on your Thursday morning. It's December 1st. So coming up in exactly one month, it'll be New Year's Day. So you don't have much time left to prepare for 2023. Be sure to prepare, make necessary reservations, and take appropriate precautions as we look forward to the new year. Interesting uh, development there on Binghamton South Side, that place that used to be the Harris Food Lines. And who could forget those wonderful stores the harris food lines the um stores that seem to uh dot the landscape back in the day when families actually operated supermarkets remember the golden era of supermarkets so the harris food Lines store over on park avenue that uh, opened with uh, so much promise back in 1965 well ultimately they pulled the plug on it and then it turned into some sort of a dance hall well now some people are turning it into an event center a venue they call it celebrations on park celebrations on park the uh, guy just put up the sign a few days ago so we have a story about that so if you wanted to know what was going on with that mysterious all the activity secret hush hush Nobody's supposed to know. And take a look over on our website, WNBF.com, an event center. An event center on Park Avenue, of all places. Interesting story. It's 9.53 as we move forward on WNBF. 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. Hey, it's Data. Nine fifty-five, Bob Joseph live 
type of phones. Bob on Airport Road. Good morning. You're on the air. Hey, Bob. What's happening? Not much, man. Listen, I just got a quick minute here before the news. and uh, Plus, I just found out my favorite uh, person in the county is on to answer questions today. Um, until you have to deal with the hospital systems in the area, um, I don't think most people understand. And I really, really don't understand how UHS can carry a UHS brand on all of the local facilities, Wilson Hospital, Lord's Hospital. But if you are a patient and you go to a doctor, for example, a heart doctor at Lord's for your, your heart systems, and then you get admitted into Wilson, the Lord's doctor doesn't know. The Lord's doctor can't go see the patient. And the Lord's doctor cannot get any of the records from Wilson. Their systems don't talk to each other. And from the information that I've been trying to uh, wade through, each hospital doesn't want to deal with each other. Yeah, it's very weird. I wish we had more time, but you're right. The news is coming right up. Maybe you could call back after 11 if you want to discuss it at greater length. Indeed, the news is next. And then Broome County Executive Jason Garner on WNBF. Hey, it's o'clock. This is WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Well, we're looking at a little bit of some snow shower activity through the morning hours. Not much in the way of accumulation, and the wind's pretty substantial. Today, the high temperature's only going to be in the mid-30s compared to the upper 40s and even some 50s yesterday. Winds are expected to die down by this evening. Meanwhile, motorists today can expect gusts that could exceed 30 miles an hour, along with a few areas of light snow complicating the drive. The snow began to fall about 2 o'clock this morning in the greater Binghamton area. Only Shenango County Emergency Communications officials said they knew of the road crews going out to treat the streets. Drivers will need to be alert and watch out for garbage cans and other hazards blowing across the road. Yesterday, there were hundreds of New York State Electric and Gas customers without power for short periods of time. As of two this morning, close to four dozen customers in Shenango County and Bainbridge, Coventry and Oxford had their power out and were expecting the restoration time before daybreak. Binghamton University graduate Hakeem Jeffries has been chosen by Democrats to serve as minority leader in the House of Representatives. The 52-year-old Brooklyn native was elected to the leadership post yesterday. Jeffries is a 1992 graduate of BU earning a bachelor's degree in political science. He is the first Binghamton graduate to be elected to Congress. The Broome County District Attorney's Office is reporting another repeat felony offender is going back to prison. 34-year-old Douglas Holton of Binghamton was sentenced to five years in prison and five years post-release supervision after pleading guilty to felony attempted robbery in connection with an incident in which store employees in Johnson City were threatened with a box cutter. Holton admitted that on June 14th he attempted to shoplift merchandise from the Walmart and threatened an employee when and he was confronted. He had previously been convicted in 2008 of attempted robbery in Broome County. Authorities in Shenango County are reporting four people are facing charges after a person was hit several times with an aluminum baseball bat at a business south of Norwich. Norwich police were called with a report of an assault at around quarter of seven Saturday evening and arrested Jeffrey Sabines, Jason Lowe, Daniel McCoy, and Meredith Conkey. On Sunday, investigators say Sabines knows the victim and drug and drug paraphernalia were found at the location. 
One person who was beaten was taken to Wilson Hospital in Johnson City for treatment of multiple injuries. That person has since been released from the hospital. A Cortland County woman is accused of trying to scam the public assistance system. Cortland County Sheriff's officials say 34-year-old Amy Santos of Cortland is accused of filing fraudulent paperwork with the Department of Social Services and failed to provide income information in order to receive $2,700 in benefits to which she was not entitled. She was released in order to appear in Cortland City Court later on this month. Outgoing New York State Senator Fred Akshar is asking the state controller to look into what happened to millions of dollars in state grants that were supposed to be coming to over a dozen local projects. The Binghamton Republican and Broome County Sheriff-elect says the projects were approved in previous state budgets for the state municipal facilities program funding but never got their allocations. Projects include the Greater Good Grocery Store in the north side of Binghamton, upgrades to Binghamton Parks, road improvements in Broome County, the Discovery Center, an emergency response vehicle for the town of Maine, and improved to Marabito Stadium in Binghamton. Akshar is asking Democrat controller Thomas DiNapoli for a full and comprehensive audit of several state grants programs that have gone unpaid. The Village of Endicott has announced the details of this weekend's only remaining holiday parade in Broome County. For many years, there have been parades in Binghamton hosted by Boscov's Department Store and a nighttime parade in Johnson City coordinated by the Business Women's Association. But both of those events ended with the start of the pandemic and as the Johnson City City event ran into issues with funding support. The Endicott Parade will take place starting at 4 p.m. Saturday on the North Street side of Washington Avenue and proceed south to Main Street. Police Chief Pat Gary, meanwhile, says due to the large crowd that's expected, people who are not coming for the parade may want to plan on detouring around the Center Village Business District for a few hours on Saturday. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast a 60% chance of snow showers through midday. New accumulation less than a half inch partly sunny gusty winds up to 31 miles per hour a high in the mid 30s tonight partly cloudy a low in the low to mid 20s with the winds becoming light and variable this where news breaks first news radio 1290 wmbf wmbf.com and 92.1 fm Joseph live on a Thursday morning, December 1st, 2022. We're joined by Broome County Executive Jason Garner, and we will talk about some things involving the County of Broome. Morning, Mr. Garner. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Broome County. I always like to ask, what is the state of Broome County? Um, the state of Broome County is, uh, it, it's real good. I'm happy with the state of Broome County. All right. We can that's always all the make ti- improvements. That's we all can the always ti- get better. That's all We're the time done. we have. Yep. Thank you. We'll talk to you in January. Sorry, we've got right. a very high commercial load today. Merry Christmas. <laughs> really? Ho, ho, ho. Anyway. <laughs> well, it could be like on a TV story. It's like, 
All we need is a two-second sound bite. What's the state of the county? Well, pretty good. All right, thanks. Yeah. We're good. We're set. Anyway, that's not why you called. Um, so basically, oh, I know one thing you don't hear a whole lot about. How is state uh, or how is the sales tax revenue going this year for Broome County? Is it uh, generally up? So the sales tax revenue is is doing really well. So uh, the sales tax is actually. Uh, we remember our last report. We get a couple of reports every month, and we really follow that. Um, I think sales tax is up seven percent from the year before, which I think is pretty good. Is that primarily because of inflation? Because everything today cost more than it did twelve months ago? Is that a, a driving factor behind the higher sales tax revenue? I think it's a lot of reasons. I, I think that uh, you know. So, so Broome County's unemployment rate in October was 2.7%. So people who want a job here can, you know, there, there's plenty of jobs here for people if they want one. And 2.7% and is probably a historically low rate. I, I don't, I can't see the, the, I can only see the rates from like 1990, but I think that that's one of the lowest unemployment rates we've had. So a lot of people are working. And typically, that means a lot of people are buying things, which means we get a lot of sales tax revenue. That's helpful for our budget. So, um, I, but I, I certainly think inflation is part of it, right? So, when you have the price of goods are more, uh, then uh, you know that that certainly uh, means you're going to get a little bit more sales tax revenue for that. So, I, I think it's a lot of different things, but probably primarily that um, uh, there's plentiful job opportunities. We have a historically low unemployment rate, and yeah, the prices of things are up, and I think that all contributes to it. So, how important is this tax increase that has noticed uh, been observed year to year? What um, ultimately, what difference might that make as you go forward with um, planning for? Um, future spending, future programs. Obviously, the the new budget was just adopted, but the way I look at it, when it comes to government, budget season is, is essentially, I think, year-round. So what ultimately, right. what, what kind of, uh, of an impact could additional sales tax revenue have, especially if this trend continues? Several things. Well, uh, you know, we just, we just passed our, our budget. The legislature just, just passed the budget in the, the past month, and it did uh, have a, a a small tax decrease, property tax decrease, and we've been able to do that for the past five years, um, cut property taxes. We wouldn't be able to do that if we weren't seeing strong sales tax growth. The other thing is um, our rainy day fund, which we really didn't have any of um, when I when I started this position five or six years ago. You know, we built up our fund balance from a quarter million to about thirty-five million dollars. And I would suspect that throughout this year, we'll close the books and, you know, this year and, and uh, you know, look at how our fund balance has grown. I would suspect that our fund balance has grown quite a bit this year as well. Um, so it should be more than $35 million. So, you know, we have a nice rainy day fund, um, which I think is going to be important as we come up in, um, we're already in some uncertain times, which is helpful that, uh, you know, if for some reason we get into a recession or we don't, you know, hit our sales tax numbers, or if there is higher unemployment for whatever reason, we will have dips in revenue and our rainy day, you know, fund will, will help us uh, get through some of those 
tougher periods. So we're really set up well financially, um, but but certainly, uh, the, you know, we're able to do more programming as well. So more sales tax revenue means that we'll be able to make more investments in roads and bridges and, and parks and, and things like that. Maybe make more investments in our in our workforce as well. Speaking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner at 1015 on WNBF. Well, today is a big day. The um, gas tax suspension at the county level expires. It's been in effect for the last six months. So does that mean yeah. we can we can look forward to higher gas prices in Broome County starting today? <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's going to be. Uh, I looked at the gas prices today, and they they didn't they didn't go up. So I, I, that was good. So the the county, um, not every county. So about six months ago, maybe a little bit before that, um, gas prices. Gosh, I think they were almost at five dollars a gallon, and we decided, and we weren't the only. We we were we were uh, not every county did this. So for example, I, I don't think Tioga County did this, but we decided that we would eliminate taxes on gasoline over $3 a gallon. And the state did that as well. And I think the state's, uh, you know, the state's ends at the, uh, I think they end, they, they end their, their, their uh, capping of the gas tax at the end of the year. So in 30 days, that'll end as well. But, um, you know, when we started this, Gas was at five dollars a gallon, and we wanted to do everything we could to reduce that that price. So we 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 did it, and now gas. I think you can get gas around. Uh, I think the lowest gas price in Broome County is probably like three fifty a gallon. So you know prices went down a dollar fifty. Now that wasn't all because of Broome County and what we did. Um, a lot of that had to do with market conditions, but. Um, you know, we were, uh, you know, we, we again, you talk about the sales tax revenue. We were able to do that um, because we had additional sales tax revenue. We were doing so well this year that uh, we could take the budget hit for that because we felt that for the last six months, it was really important to do what we could to reduce um, prices for certain things. And of course, just about everybody has to buy gas. So um, that was a we did that for six months, and we're glad to see that the prices have come down to uh, a more manageable level. I'd like to see the the price get below three dollars a gallon. I think everybody would like to do that. You know, we'll certainly see what happens over the 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 next few uh, months and into next year on that. Well, it would happen if we get into a recession. Yeah. yeah so I mean, maybe uh, maybe seeing gas prices below three dollars a gallon as much as that may be a dream for some people maybe it would be indicative of bad economic times so i always well, say might, be, I mean, be careful what you dream for when uh gas was at two dollars a gallon i think we uh, i think that that almost got there in broom county um of course that was during the the covid pandemic right when nobody was driving and we had a 17 percent unemployment rate and you know a lot of people were out of work and and not not moving around, so we certainly don't want to go back to that. But I I actually think it's it's possible to to have a you know economy that's doing well and have gas prices under three dollars a gallon. I'm I'm still not happy that you know I got to fill up for three dollars and fifty cents a gallon, but um, I'd like to get it to get lower. But I'm really glad that it's not five dollars a gallon. I think we were all going pretty crazy figuring out how we were gonna you know pay bills and you know it, when you had to 
you know, pay $100 uh, to, to fill up your gas tank. So I'm um, glad that it's down to a, a much more manageable level, and I, I hope it continues to go down. So with the cap, and, and again, for people who didn't understand how it worked at the county level, it was the sales tax capped for whatever would be above uh, when gas prices were above $3 a gallon. Ultimately, right. what what was the um, estimated net impact then of the cap that was in effect for the past six months do you know approximately I, I what, think, uh, what that cost it, the it, county it's hard to put a it's hard to put a, a number on it but we estimated that it might cost anywhere between a million and a half to two million dollars in terms of revenues and again it's hard it's hard to do that because we don't get specific reports on you know gasoline uh purchases and so it's it's, it's kind of hard to kind of hard to figure that out or it takes a lot longer for us to get that information back but um we we estimated that you know it might put us out a million and a half to two million two million dollars and not a big impact then on ultimately the county's financial situation for the last half year? no so but to and to go back what you were talking about like the importance of you know when i say we're up seven percent in sales tax so if i'm you know, I, I, I probably collect, collect uh, we probably get about $100 million, don't quote me on that exact figure, but we probably get $100 million a year in sales tax. Now, of course, we, uh, you know, we split that with our local municipalities, but if we, I've got $100 million a year in sales tax and I go up um, 7%, now I've collected an additional $7 million more, that allows me the flexibility to stay within my budget if I'm going to uh, cut taxes on gasoline, which we did. You know, if it puts me out a million and a half, two million dollars, we're still up a lot. So having, you know, that that uh, you know sales tax doing so well gave us the flexibility to um, do something like cut the gasoline tax when you know when the price was five dollars a gallon and and people, rightfully so, were losing their minds about you know how they were they going to pay that you know. Five dollars a gallon and fill up their tank and and pay all the rest of their bills. Well, the way the prices were increasing, some people, uh, I I think, thought at that rate of increase, if it kept going that way as it was at at one point this year, we'd be at ten dollars by Christmas. And fortunately, that that didn't happen. In fact, just the opposite happened. Things stabilized and the prices started to come down. But I, I recall, you know, some people maybe mainly in California, but even some people around here are saying $10 a gallon gas was not not out of the realm of possibility if things continued to go the way they, they were at, at one point. So, No, it's, and it's difficult. And, and just, you know, I, I'm pretty sure everybody knows, but just to remind everybody, you know, we have to deal with that as well. At the county level, we have a bus fleet. We have uh, a number of, of other county vehicles, snow plows police cars, you know, things like that that are out into the county fleet, those all require gas. So certainly, you know, the we've had to deal with the increasing prices of gas as well, you know, to provide all the services that we have to provide in, in Broome County. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, just you think about it, it's pretty remarkable that the gas prices have gone down a buck fifty over the last six months and, you know, I'm remaining Somewhat optimistic that they continue to to, to go down. Um, 
I'm probably the only one of only a few people in Broome County that look at oil prices like, uh, you know, crude oil prices every day to see what the uh, the impact on our, our own government is, is going to be. But um, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, those prices can go down even more. We'll continue our conversation with Broome County Executive Jason Garner in just a moment. Listening to News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. It's 10:26. This is Bob Joseph live on WNBF on your Thursday morning. Our guest is Broome County Executive Jason Garner. Anything new up at the Greater Binghamton Airport we need to know about? Well, nothing new, but it was pretty cool to see the first uh, Avello fly their first flight out to Orlando. That that was really something else um, to, to, to take their maiden voyage. That was really neat to see. We had a pretty packed plane, and um, but from what uh, little I've heard from the commissioner, we've... Uh, been doing a pretty good job of, of filling up the seats on those uh, on those flights. So uh, thank you, Broome County, and everybody else who's using the, you know those flights. And, and please keep using it. It's one of those things where if you use more of it, we we could get more flights. But if you don't use it, we're not going to be able to to keep it. So, uh, but I'm really glad to see that it's been uh, utilized quite well. So everybody had a good time in Orlando. I think they did. I mean, I didn't ask anybody what what they did, but uh, you know, it sounded you know sound like uh, everybody had a good time. And um, you know, it's interesting as I you know we had this uh, event up there to see everybody fly out. And as I came out of the uh, came out of the parking lot, I had a had a, a little talk with the uh, parking lot attendant who's been there for a long time. And he's a retired employee, but he comes back and works there part time. And he he had said, you know, it's you know seeing that big jet fly in just reminded me of of what the airport used to be a long time ago and it gave me hope and i think that's actually like the the largest airplane uh commercial airplane that's ever flew into the county airport um so it, it was good to, to to see that uh you know the community's really embraced the flight and um you know uh, it's, it's certainly given the airport a, a shot in the arm and um again we're uh Working to make more improvements up at the airport as we speak. The big thing that we're doing right now is that forty million dollar airport renovation, um, which uh, it, it, we're we're working on that every day. That's a large project, and um, the clock is ticking. We have uh, less than two years to complete that project, so a lot of work to be done up there. Well, looking ahead, in just over a month, the new Delta service to LaGuardia is scheduled to start. Is that still on on schedule? Yep, still on schedule, still happening. I, I believe they're they're booking uh, tickets right now. Um, that's going to increase the amount of flights that we're doing, and um, you know, uh, that, I think that that's a that's a nice addition to the airport as well. And you know, we obviously continue to have conversations with other airlines about bringing more more service into here. I mean, that hoping that other airlines will strike while the iron's hot, so to say. Um, so we're we, we're cautiously optimistic, and we work hard every day trying to bring more airlines in. Well, you did have a couple of 
big announcements with expanded service uh, this year, which some people were, were probably surprised by. Do you think, uh, based on what you know at the moment, the way things are going, both with negotiations with uh, carriers and also the way the industry, they say, is poised to recover by 2024 after the uh, the problems primarily caused by the pandemic. Do you expect that you're going to be able to have similar types of announcements in 2023 for additional service? You know, I'm cautiously optimistic. I will say that we don't have any imminent announcements we're going to make regarding new service. But, you know, as you mentioned, with hopefully the airline industry continuing to recover after um, a real devastating time during COVID, um, we, we think that'll open up more opportunities and give us a better opportunity to, to get more airlines, uh, get more service over the next year or two. It's 1030 at WNBF, WNBF.com. Uh, in the area of the airport, a bit south of the airport, and we touched on this toward the end of your, your last appearance a couple of weeks ago, the possibility of acquiring land for future development. And I, I believe this involves nearly 300 acres. Where do things stand with that and uh, with the IDA uh, recently acquiring an option to purchase the property along Airport Road? and East Main Road in the towns of Union and Maine. What, where do things stand sure. with that process? So just a little historical uh, context before I kind of update you on that. Um, you know, as, as we talked about last last month, and I think it's really important to understand, and, and, and just in this week, in some of the work that I've been doing, working with businesses that want to come into this area, there's not a lot of other pla- there's not a lot of places to go in here right now. When I talk about shovel ready ready sites, and that's that's not just a term I throw around. Like legitimately, I was talking to a business about you know trying to locate hundreds of employees into this community, and you know where are you going to go? There's you know w- when a business needs a hundred thousand square feet of of space, there's not a lot of options out there. Um, there's not a lot of options of uh, just just land that you can build on that is positioned close to the highway that has all the utilities that you need. That's what we talk about shovel ready. Not a lot of places like that around here. Not a lot of places that you can renovate either. I mean, you you take a look at uh, you know what's going on at the, the Oakdale Mall. I mean, that's a that place is I think just about every uh, square foot is just about spoken up there. You look at other places around there, our industrial park is full. So um, a lot of other buildings have been spoken for and in, in, uh, in, in been renovated. So it's really, so as we feel requests from people, and this has been happening for the past year or so, we can't find places to accommodate new businesses that want to come in here. So this is the reason why we're looking at building a new corporate Park, just like we built uh, out in Conklin, and um, the update on that right now is so there's an option to purchase the land and by the IDA, and what they're doing right now while they have this option is they are doing all the environmental testing, making sure that the land is is suitable to be able to develop on. 
So I think that's going that that period of due diligence is going to end in the next month or two, and then you know the IDA will look at that report and they will determine you know whether or not it's a go to green light the development of that site and complete that property purchase. Now the other thing that the IDA is also doing is there's a number there are millions of dollars of state funding. I think it's a new program, and I can't remember what it's called, but there's millions of dollars in state funding to make sites shovel-ready. And I know talking to Stacey Duncan Duncan, that um, the IDA is looking at applying for that funding, and I think that funding stream is going to be available within the next week or two. So they're uh, also, while they're concurrently doing their due diligence on the site, they're working to secure funding to make the site shovel ready so that when when people come in and say hey i need to put you know i, I need to i want to bring in 300 uh employees i got a business i want to bring in i need you know all the electrical hookups i need the 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 broadband i need the heat i need the water up there we'll have a site where we can accommodate 100,000 square foot buildings maybe million uh square foot buildings um because we don't have anything right now. So that, that process is is moving ahead, but there's some due diligence that has to be done before it becomes complete. And then of course the build out of the infrastructure for that site to make it shovel ready will will take some time as well. The price of course has been the subject of some discussion too in recent weeks because it's more than three times the amount that had been determined by the appraiser that the IDA had retained to look at this. Right. I think if you look at some other, uh, you know, if if you look at some other sites that have, you know, pieces of land that have been sold that are similar and not too far away, you know, you'll see, and I I was talking to Stacey Duncan about this, they've actually paid, you know, other people have paid more money for similar type of of sites. And, you know, at the end of the deal, this is something that the IDA is going to purchase. This isn't going to affect taxpayers or or anything like that, they they're they're going to use their own funds to to uh, to, to make the uh, property purchase. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're talking about uh, a piece of land being uh, you know a million and a half dollars, we're talking about a, a, a huge corporate park that could bring in thousands and thousands of jobs into this area. Um, you're going to have to pay you know pay a little bit more for that land. We have to get it done. And um, there's, you know, like I said, there's a window of time. There's a lot of grant opportunities available to redevelop this land, um, to get it ready to bring in those new companies. And uh, we, we really don't want to miss that window. So I think it's an, an, it's an opportune time, and I think the time is right to, to do that. And, um, you know, like I said, they're going to do due diligence on the property right now. It's an option to buy. And, um, you know, we'll see where, where that goes over the next month or two. But the, the bottom line is that, we need more developable land if we're going to bring in new industry. I mean, you saw what happened with Micron, right? Up, you know, in just an hour north of here, you know, tens of thousands of jobs uh, are available. They they have shovel-ready sites. And, you know, I, I'm not expecting, I'm not going to sit there and say, well, if we do this, we'll bring in 50,000 more jobs. But we can definitely bring in, you know, thousands of more jobs. And I think, you know, it's well worth making an investment in the land to do that. Now, some have suggested there 
are conflicts of interest or at least the uh, potential of conflicts or appearance of conflicts of interest involving this and including uh, some have said that uh, a, a key county employee is related to the family that owns the land um that you know that might might well be so but i don't think that's any type of a, a conflict of interest um that that employee has nothing to do with um site development or or anything like that, you know, with with the county. And I just, you know, again, the IDA is purchasing this. The, you know, the, this is not Broome County government purchasing this property. This is the the Broome IDA that's purchasing this property, and that that employee doesn't work for the IDA. Way you see things now. Again, you mentioned that a review process is underway about uh, certain aspects of suitability of the land for development. But if if those reviews look good would you as county executive then expect that uh, this process would move forward fairly quickly and that the the land would be acquired by the IDA and then uh, steps would be made in in 2023 to to get the the land ready for a potential new tenant yeah I think if those approvals move forward then certainly I, I think this this process will will move quickly I don't think it's going to move too fast. I think it's going, you know, the, the IDA and, you know, the town of Maine, the town of Union, Broome County, um, any other, uh, you, you know, partner or stakeholder in this, you know, we'll, we'll do our due diligence and, and do what we need to do. And nobody's going to, uh, you know, nobody's going to uh, uh, do anything too fast and, and, and not dot I's and cross T's. We want to make sure it's all done right. But we also don't want to, you know, take years and years to do this. You know, we, we, we've already seen over the past couple of years, what can happen if we're all working together, what can happen to businesses moving into this area? Look what, what just happened to the mall, number of other places across the, the County. Um, we're really doing a good job of redeveloping our business sites. And I don't think, you know, I don't think people want us to take 10 years or even five years to uh, come up and, and develop new land. If, if we have businesses that want to come in here and employ people and pay people really good salaries, then we should be doing everything we can possible to make sure that we have that land available for people to come in. I, time and time again, I, I continue to hear from people who lament the fact that their kids are moving far away to get, you know, more job opportunities in, in different places. Well, we haven't, there's a great opportunity here to make an investment in our community so that that stuff doesn't have to happen so that our kids can stay here after they graduate from college or high school and get really good jobs right here in this community. We're already seeing that happen. I'd like to see a lot more of that happen and create more opportunities. And, but if we don't have the land for businesses to come into, then they're just not going to not going to come here. So Still I hope seems the pro- process is done right, but I hope it's done as fast as possible. There still seems to be some land, for example, in the city of Binghamton on the east side that it could be useful for future projects, uh, the old Stowe property and and some of the parcels around there. Is there any expectation well, that they that projects on that, Bob as as you is the famous you know in your famous words which I think you coined that phrase. Stay tuned on that property. We'll see. Are there discussions underway 
for future development of the old Stowe site and the, the properties well, near there? Been, where there's there's always been discussions on that. I mean, you'll you'll remember when we uh, you know took down I think it was like a twenty thousand square foot building, and again uh, you know we again these are things that government can do to make the land more attractive. But um, yeah, I, I I would expect that um, you know there, there's a that that land you'll you'll see some announcements happening at some point um, on that on that property. Like I said, most of the most of the areas of land that we you know whether it's the Oakdale Mall, whether it's these old EJ buildings, whether it's the old IBM buildings, all those that we have already seen you know all of this growth happen in these areas, and we are running out of space. That the areas that we, we used to talk about five years ago. That well, wouldn't it be great if we did something there? It's already happening, and so we really have to start looking at other places to expand our job opportunities and our growth opportunities here in our in, in this community. Yeah, and I'm looking at video right now from just over four years ago when that old Phillips Foundry building was being torn down because that was on the verge yeah. of of collapse. So you issued an emergency order to have that that old building uh torn down as you mentioned so that's there's there's property that is ripe for development along with some of the other parcels there well and certainly i can't you know i i can't announce things before other people are ready to announce stuff and but um you know suffice to say a lot of conversations about a, a lot of like you know before you saw what happened at the mall there were conversations going on about the mall for you know months and years about that project before we saw announcements. And then, of course, you know, now there's cranes up everywhere and there's a ton of work happening. So um, what I'm what I'm telling you is that, you know, whether it's that property or other properties, um, you know, they're pretty much spoken for and um, they're, they're in the process of being redeveloped. And we're, we're going to really have to look at redeveloping other places so we can have even more business come in here. I'm not you know, I think it's great that we have a 2.7% unemployment rate. It's historically low unemployment rate, but I think we can put even more people to work, and I think we can get more people to come to this community, which we really need to grow our community if we have more job opportunities here. Is the county prepared to provide some specific incentives for development of those parcels on the east side of Binghamton, similar to the types of support the county provided for the project at the old IBM Country Club site, paying um, or uh, announcing uh, coverage of much of the demolition cost for the old building, also the support the county and the town of Union have provided for redevelopment of the Oakdale Mall? Would the county be inclined to provide that sort of support? for a, a major project on Binghamton's east side? So the county has certainly, you know, we, we've uh, we've taken our ARPA funding, not all of it, but, you know, we've taken a, a good portion of our ARPA funding and directed it into economic development because one of the the main tenets of, of that whole program was to recover from COVID. And what we wanted to do was make sure that we had opportunities for everybody in our community to work. Remember, at one point in COVID, we had a 17% unemployment rate. So you're right. We put some some of the ARPA money into the mall. We put some of the ARPA money into um, the Phoenix campus. We put some of the ARPA money into various housing developments because part of bringing jobs in here is making sure people can come in here and, and, and live so that they can work. Um, 
with that particular site that you're talking about, we don't have any plans to put any type of uh, American Rescue Plan money into into any projects that might happen there. That's not on the radar. Is the county involved or going to be involved at all in redevelopment of the old uh, site there in Westover where the BAE Systems plant stood? And I mean, that site has been uh, out of use now for 11 years since the flood in 2011. So is that up to the town of Union basically to work on redeveloping that or is the county going to have a role there? No, so the county, so we just, uh, you know, just a few days ago, I was talking to Stacy Duncan about the redevelopment of that site. We were talking about the the new state fund uh, to develop shovel-ready sites, and one of the things that we'd like to look at with the old BAE site, of course, one of the, the big problems with the BAE site is flooding. And in order to get any type of development to come in, it's a great, great site in terms of the access to the highway, but one of the big issues is flooding, so you would have to put, uh, you know, a substantial, a, a decent amount of money into raising the uh, the elevation of that site. That'll probably take a few million dollars. That's one of the things that we're looking at. It's another site that we're looking at to access funds from this uh, shovel-ready state fund that that's going to be uh, available imminently. So yeah, definitely, we're we're looking at that site. We're working with town of union officials and the IDA to to be able to redevelop that site. We've had a lot of people interested in the site, but again, it's like anything, you've got to get the site ready before businesses come in there. It's 1047. We're speaking live with the Broome County Executive, Jason Garner. I'm Bob Joseph. More to come here on WNBF and WNBF.com. Ten forty nine, Bob Joseph Live, WNBF, WNBF.com. We're speaking with the Broome County Executive, Jason Garner. Uh, over the last two or three months, we've been talking about the move toward uh, developing the Veterans Services Center on Binghamton's north side, not far from the uh, Binghamton, old Binghamton Plaza. Anything new with uh, that project? No, not since we last talked. Um... You know that the bids are are still going out in a, in a few months. Uh, design work is still being done. You know we're working with the, the the city to kind of keep them up to speed on you know what the designs are looking like. But uh, not I, I wouldn't say uh, progress continues to be made, but it's really more of the the, the design phase and, and nothing really new to report on that front. Another development project, and uh, gee, if if the schedule holds true, people would start moving in to 59 Lester Avenue in about a month. Have you talked with Matthew Paulus about his uh, redevelopment of the old EJ building that he's working to turn into Victory Lofts? I have. Um, in fact, I, w- I was just talking to him yesterday. Um, I, he is, uh, of course, that is a uh, it's. It, it's pretty awesome to see all the progress that they've they made on that. I mean, really, every time I drive by there, it seems like they've, they've done something new to it. Um, I, I think at, at this point, I, from what I understand, they're, they're still on track to open up in January. Um, I think uh, it, it's one of those things where uh, I think that they're just waiting on, um, you know, again, they still have to do some infrastructure work over the next 
month or two, but um, you know they're kind of waiting to get their. Uh, it's a it's a big uh, user of power with 165 apartments there, and I think they're kind of waiting to uh, have NYSEG, uh you know make all the final connections to to get that uh, building hooked up. Um, so uh, yeah, I think they're kind of uh, th- that that's kind of where they're at. But um, it was just over there. Uh, you know, pretty close to to the building um, last week, and it's it's absolutely phenomenal to see what has happened there. Um, really, really great, great stuff happening there. And there is a, a nearby building that Mr. Paulus has been discussing uh, redeveloping. Not certainly as big as that yep. fabulous, fabulous EJ building, but still important. Uh, a little bit to the uh, the south of the the big ej building so anything new with respect to the um, the redevelopment of that neighboring building no i mean what what i talked to uh when i talked to matt paulus about the timeline on that what what his hope was was that uh that that's of course that 19 avenue b it's that brick building i think a tree's growing through it for people who don't don't know the don't don't know the address of the building, but may know it from the tree that's that's growing into it. And I think there's also some type of a dinosaur mural that's on one of the windows there. But um, but uh, that what he I think what what the hope was was that as soon as the Victory Building was done, um, you know I don't I don't think he would need the same amount of workers, construction workers working on that project that he could then kind of direct the workforce onto. Uh, that project, which is like literally just across the, well, it's, I don't think even it's even a street anymore, but what used to be a street, it's, it's right across the street there. So he kind of wanted to just, you know, start working on, on that one. And, uh, it's kind of the expectation that, uh, that the work will begin sometime next year on 19 Avenue B, which is a smaller project, but also very important. I think that's going to have about 30 units of housing in it. So, uh, a lot of great stuff happening all across Broome County, but, um, you know, I, I don't think things have happened. You know, if you think about all the things that have happened in just Johnson City alone, it, it's pretty amazing to see. So, um, you know, definitely looking forward to that project starting as well. That other building is certainly a fraction the size of the Victory Building. I, I think yep. that's only 40,000 square feet, and it seems to me the Victory Building was about 253,000 square feet. Yes. Are you expecting? Building, yes. Yeah, that building used to be owned by Broome County. We took that 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 property uh, through back taxes, and um, we actually transferred it um, to Johnson City, um, who uh, you know then I think they did an RFP process and awarded the uh, you know the right to uh, purchase the property from Paulus Development. So it's kind of a good example of how government works to kind of uh, start start uh, developing a, an important project. Well, it just goes to show nobody knows what's going to happen with any of these buildings. I mean, at one point, they were talking about using this old building as some sort of craft beverage packaging facility or yeah, whatever. That's right. You know, production that's and right. canning, which I know some people who probably could have used it, but now they've gone and developed their own craft beverage production and canning facility over over at the mall. So it looks... You never know what's going to happen to some of these buildings. So I, I yeah. can tell you when they did the URI process really, really quick, we probably didn't have much time, but when they did, when the, the Southern Tier competed to get that half billion dollar award, which they 
they did end up winning, they had to come up with all these potential projects. And what they, you know, this is what seven or eight years ago, they looked at 59 Lester. They, they, uh, that the project there was to demolish the whole building, to spend seven or eight million dollars and just wipe out the whole building. Who would have thought eight years later that building would be a 50 million dollar renovation? And have 165 beautiful apartments there. So you ne- you never know what's going to happen to some of these places. Yeah, I was looking at the the front page newspaper story from when it was announced it would be demolished. Jeff Platsky wrote the story yep. for the Press and Sun Bulletin, and it said not maybe de- uh, demolished. It was basically will be demolished because it was beyond salvation. And now, just a, several years later five or six years later look at it it's it's been transformed i don't think anybody ever expected that the thing would would have a second life certainly not not with 156 apartments and maybe some retail space absolutely it's like i said you never know who would ever thought that um you know you could probably pick you know 10 or 15 you know a dozen places across uh, the county where you never thought who would ever thought that all those ibm buildings would be demolished and we'd be making lithium-ion batteries, who would ever thought that the the new National Pipe and Plastics headquarters, the EGA building there that had been set, you know, again, I think with trees growing out of that building, would be a brand new headquarters. Uh, who would ever thought the mall would be, you know, doing what they're doing? Who would ever thought we'd have a big FedEx distribution facility built? Um, yeah, it's fascinating. Rebuilding. Yeah. Yeah, good thing I'm not a betting person or I would have lost a lot of money over the last 10 years. Broom County Executive Jason Garner, thank you. Exactly. Thank you very much. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Live and local, this is where news breaks first. WNBF and WNBF.com. I'm Bob Joseph. If you are... Attention business. Joseph live on your Thursday morning on WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Well, we're looking at a little bit of some snow shower activity through the morning hours. Not much in the way of accumulations, and the wind's pretty substantial. Today, the high temperature's only going to be in the mid-30s compared to the upper 40s and even some 50s yesterday. Winds are expected to die down by this evening. Meanwhile, motorists today can expect gusts that could exceed 30 miles an hour, along with a few areas of light snow complicating the drive. The snow began to fall about 2 o'clock this morning in the greater Binghamton area. Only Shenango County Emergency Communications officials said they knew of the road crews going out to treat the streets. Drivers will need to be alert and watch out for garbage cans and other hazards blowing across the road. Yesterday, there were hundreds of New York State Electric and Gas customers without power for short periods of time. As of two this morning, close to four dozen customers in Shenango County and Bainbridge, Coventry, and Oxford had their power out and were expecting the restoration time before daybreak. Binghamton University graduate Hakeem Jeffries has been chosen by Democrats to serve as minority leader in the House of Representatives. The 52-year-old Brooklyn native was elected to the leadership post yesterday. Jeffries is a 1992 graduate of BU, earning a bachelor's degree in political science. He is the 
the first Binghamton graduate to be elected to Congress. The Broome County District Attorney's Office is reporting another repeat felony offender is going back to prison. 34-year-old Douglas Holton of Binghamton was sentenced to five years in prison and five years post-release supervision after pleading guilty to felony attempted robbery in connection with an incident in which store employees in Johnson City were threatened with a box cutter. Holton admitted that on June 14th he attempted to shoplift merchandise from the Walmart and threatened an employee when he was confronted. He had previously been convicted in 2008 of attempted robbery in Broome County. Authorities in Shenango County are reporting four people are facing charges after a person was hit several times with an aluminum baseball bat at a business south of Norwich. Norwich police were called with a report of an assault at around quarter of seven Saturday evening and arrested Jeffrey Sabines, Jason Lowe, Daniel McCoy, and Meredith Conkey on Sunday. Investigators say Sabines knows the victim and drug and drug paraphernalia were found at the location. One person who was beaten was taken to Wilson Hospital in Johnson City for treatment of multiple injuries. That person has since been released from the hospital. A Cortland County woman is accused of trying to scam the public assistance system. Cortland County Sheriff's officials say 34-year-old Amy Santos of Cortland is accused of filing fraudulent paperwork with the Department of Social Services and failed to provide income information in order to receive $2,700 in benefits to which she was not entitled. She was released in order to appear in Cortland City Court later on this month. Outgoing New York State Senator Fred Akshar is asking the state controller to look into what happened to millions of dollars in state grants that were supposed to be coming to over a dozen local projects. The Binghamton Republican and Broome County Sheriff-elect says the projects were approved in previous state budgets for the state municipal facilities program funding but never got their allocations. Projects include the Greater Good Grocery Store in the north side of Binghamton, upgrades to Binghamton Parks, road improvements in Broome County, the Discovery Center, an emergency response vehicle for the town of Maine, and Improvements to Marabito Stadium in Binghamton. Akshar is asking Democrat controller Thomas DiNapoli for a full and comprehensive audit of several state grants programs that have gone unpaid. The Village of Endicott has announced the details of this weekend's only remaining holiday parade in Broome County. For many years, there have been parades in Binghamton hosted by Boscov's Department Store and a nighttime parade in Johnson City coordinated by the Business Women's Association. But both of those events ended with the start of the pandemic and as the Johnson City event ran into issues with funding support. The Endicott Parade will take place starting at 4 p.m. Saturday on the North Street side of Washington Avenue and proceeds south to Main Street. Police Chief Pat Geary, meanwhile, says due to the large crowd that's expected, people who are not coming for the parade may want to plan on detouring around the Center Village Business District for a few hours on Saturday. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecasts a 60% chance of snow showers through midday, new accumulation less than a half inch, partly sunny, gusty winds up to 31 miles per hour, a high in the mid-30s. Tonight, partly cloudy, a low in the low to mid-20s, with the winds becoming light and variable. This where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. Hey there, it's Bob Joseph live on a Thursday from News Radio WNBF operating at 921 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at my favorite website, WNBF.com. Hey, 
everyone who may be tuned in on this first day of December 607-772-1290 is the number. Please dial carefully. So what do you have to talk about? Uh, again, we started out the program today with our uh, heartfelt congratulations to Hakeem Jeffries, the future Speaker of the House of Representatives by uh, many... Uh, Accounts he could be Speaker of the House in just over two years, depending how things go. And I think that uh, should be exciting. He seems, based on his experience in both the New York State Assembly and so far in the House of Representatives, he seems to be the type of person who will be able to work with everyone to get some good things done. Of course, you can only get good things done if people don't block every possible thing that's proposed but I, I have a sense that starting in January there will be a new atmosphere of conciliation in places like Albany, Harrisburg and D.C. So we'll see if that happens. It's just just a thought just a thought uh, atmosphere of conciliation is it something that can actually happen? I would say it could happen could happen. We'll stay tuned to see how much of that really occurs. We'll encourage our elected officials to work together to improve our state and our nation. Let's see what else is going on. Um, paging down from uh, WNBF.com. Just checking things out, see what uh, they're up to. Of course, we mentioned with the event center that is being developed. Still unclear when it would open. If I were going to take a guess at it, I would say probably next spring, but maybe it could open more quickly. So the event center on Park Avenue, which is conveniently located across from NIPS. So if you've ever been to Nips Park Avenue Saloon. I believe it is the only saloon now on Park Avenue on Binghamton's south side. So if you're looking for the new event center, just look for Nips on the left side if you're heading toward Ross Park. And then the event center is on the right side. Most recently, it had been the Knights of Columbus. Up until a couple of weeks ago, the Knights of Columbus sign was still up there. And I believe the Knights of Columbus were operating events for quite a while right up until the time of the pandemic i think they had used the site as a as a voting place in 2020 if i'm not mistaken and according to the sign which now has been removed but the old sign said they had bingo on thursdays at noon saying so that's one of the tough things for people 
bingo venues, I don't think, are as accessible as they used to be. I went to a bingo gathering once. I, I was only once. I admit, I admit it. It was fascinating to me. It was, <laughs> people take bingo seriously. I didn't realize. Little did I know. You know, the, the person who brought me there said, "Now, whatever you do, don't get in anyone's way, and um, do not." Do not do anything to distract anyone. People are laser-focused on bingo, and I saw how it's done. And I quickly decided I, I can't compete in that kind of highly charged atmosphere. So, again, according to the old sign at the Knights of Columbus building on Park Avenue, they used to have bingo every Thursday at noon, so apparently, apparently they, they hold that bingo elsewhere now. I guess. If you know where, let me know. Of course, if it still starts at noon on Thursdays, I'm going to get there a few minutes late. I could leave the program early, but then then probably we'd miss uh, a few calls toward the end of the program. And of course, before the Knights of Columbus began to use the property there, it was the Harris Food Liner. Remember Harris Food Liners? Those were the days when you could have a supermarket that was 8,000 square feet. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Wegmans is a, in Johnson City is about 120,000 square feet. So that puts things in perspective. Back in 1965, people on the south side of Binghamton were pretty happy when Harris Food Lines opened up there at 136 Park Avenue. The 8,000 square foot structure and then wasn't that many years later that Wegmans opened up their slightly larger facility a few miles away in Johnson City. As I say, 115, 120,000 square feet. Who knows? We'll just say it's big. But times have changed. 1116, this is Bob Joseph, News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. way you going billy tribute to i believe the legendary yankee manager if i'm not mistaken or that maybe it was about something else but still it would would be interesting if it turned out there was a connection between him and the poppy family 1119 at news radio wnbf well you never know sometimes you learn the backstory to some of these popular songs and you say i didn't know that is it 
Is it possible that they did? <laughs> you think they did? The Poppy family had something to do with him? And turns out, well, maybe they did. Looking at the uh, statistics for all that wind yesterday, sheesh. I uh, admit I was, I was not particularly amused by the wind, although it seems here in, in Broome County we were relatively unscathed. At the airport, I believe at the weather service office in the town of Maine, I think they recorded a gust of 41 miles an hour, so that was that was bad enough. Some parts of the state got um, even higher higher gusts uh, at the Albany International Airport 63 miles an hour can you imagine you're trying to <laughs> you're trying to land your uh, regional jet <laughs> wind at the Albany International Airport is 63 miles an hour at uh, Dunkirk it was 60 the Buffalo Airport at a gust of 53 miles an hour I'm fascinated. I'm fa fascinated by aviation. If you have listened to the program, you know I'm intrigued by aircraft of all type. And I'm always intrigued to see uh, video of landings in bad weather. That's the thing that fascinates me. It's like, well, they're, um, they're going to land. Uh, it is uh, snowing and blustery, and yet, you know, thanks to great training, also a, a, an appropriate work ethic, you have to keep, you know, the flight deck has to be kept strictly business. You know, if you're during the, the critical times of a flight, departure and uh, arrival, you know, if you're taking off or landing, you can't be talking politics or talking about the World Cup or anything else on the flight deck. You have to be 100% focused on flying the plane. And that's why things go so well with aviation. Proper, you pay attention to your training, pay attention to the manual, pay attention to the equipment, and just fly the plane. And that's how it works. That's one thing that is different when you think about it in America today. Can you imagine if the people who were in charge of driving planes were the same people who are driving right now in the Vestal Parkway? Think about that. Or think about this. Can you imagine if at this moment everybody who is driving on Route 434, the Vestal Parkway, was behaving as though they're flying a commercial aircraft? and paying attention to their driving and nothing else. Can you imagine if, if people were driving their vehicles, their cars and trucks and buses on the Vestal Parkway, if they drove on the parkway the way commercial pilots fly their aircraft, there would be virtually no crashes ever on the parkway because people would be paying attention. Yes, there would probably be one or two crashes every decade on the parkway. If only people learned how to drive the way commercial pilots fly their planes. But obviously, there's no risk of that happening. 
judging by the look at the parkway right now with my spy cam. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Um, Dale from Bampton. Yeah, what's up? Um, talking about airplanes. Um, try flying a truck down the interstate with the wind blowing like that. <laughs> oh, we talked about that yesterday. You're probably going to jackknife. Oh, if I, I was I driving, jacked, what about? Um, call, did you ever drive well, one of those? My trailer. Uh, did you I, ever? I, did you ever drive one of those tandem things where you've got two trailers? No, I can't do that. <laughs> I, I stopped that from uh, driving buses because I'm uh, responsible for all the people in the bus and uh, tractor trailers. That's what I done. Three foot trailers, you know, sixty foot long with the track the hook on mm. and you go down the road and the wind hits hits you by the side i'll tell you it just uh i've seen some situations bob i just, just don't want to explain right. them to you so how how old were you when you started driving a truck at what age i uh, started in the military actually before i graduated high school out of north high school and uh, that taught me that that's what I wanted to do was drive tractor trailer. So I did that for forty years. So uh, wow! Did you see they they have a video? Every year I get used to it. Every year I get well, used to it again. Now speaking of of trucks, did you see this video from Indianapolis? Yeah, I see, I seen that. I'm and, trying to figure out what kind of what kind. But what kind of a truck driver? drives his truck and hits a bridge and then lets his truck explode well someone that's inexperienced and uh well so apparently he's okay i just i'm trying to that what they released the video of the truck hitting the the overpass so that we see the truck hitting the overpass but what they didn't release was the audio of him calling his boss. Well, how do you think that call went? Because I, I can't imagine that it ended well. No, it didn't end well, probably. But the whole point is, you know, you have to have the right equipment and everything to move a truck down the road, even coming into Bampton. There's only certain ways you can come into Bampton. You know, well, what I see is, you remember uh, the mayor put up some signs over at Robinson Street near the railroad bridge, uh -huh. Yeah, that and he bridge. specifically put up a sign on, on either yep. side, if you're driving a truck, stop the darn thing and get out and, and look to see if your truck's going to fit under the bridge. But you know what I've noticed? Some people won't do it. Uh, uh, yeah, some people that are inexperienced. You know, that's my whole point, though. I, you know, I got a, quite a bit of experience, coast to coast and parts of Canada, lower 48. So I'm just saying, uh, you have to have the right equipment to say, don't go that way. You know, go this way. Yeah, I'm looking at... Uh... You mean a TomTom -tom or... Well, whatever. and somebody told me that that's one of the problems, that people... The guys driving the trucks are listening to their GPS, and that's why they would hit the uh, railroad bridge on Robinson Street, or that's why they would 
um, smash into things over at, at the roundabout because they're paying too much attention to their GPS. Yeah, and, and uh, Tom Tom is made for that, you know, low bridges and stuff. You know, I, I've driven uh, quite a bit, but uh, I learned it in the military, you know, and I, when I got out back in 78 or 9 or whatever, and uh, I realized uh, what it takes, you know, and it takes a lot, it takes a lot. You know, well, you I know, know uh, I, see, I don't drive a truck because I know, I know if I drive a truck, I love that job. Well, I would, I, I, I would like to try it, but I don't think I would do, I don't think I would be a good truck driver because I'd be too list, too busy calling talk radio stations to give my opinions. In the road. You yeah. know, they all fit in the road. Well, you know, a lot of people don't think, uh, you know, they drive their vehicles, their cars or whatever, but they all fit in the road except looking up, you know, and most people don't look up when they, uh, drive to work or something like that, you know? Right. And that's where their mistake is made. Well, okay. Well, it's good to know that, you know, most, mm -hmm. well, for one thing, most, most drivers, most, especially people who drive for a living, most are very yeah. good drivers. You have to be. It's, as I said, when, you like, you know, when I felt badly, they, they had this bridge over on Front Street near the health department, and this guy was hauling... Oh, boy. Don't tell anyone, but the guy was hauling a bunch of new BMWs, and those aren't cheap, my friend. Oh, and, and trash all of them. Think of it. Yeah, not well, not the not every single one, but a lot of them. And he was about a hundred feet from getting to the place where he had to dump them off. So he probably <laughs> yeah. drove several hundred miles without incident, and then he was within eyesight of the place oh, where they boy. had to be dumped. And, I've seen a lot of that. Oh, I saw. It was heartbreaking. I've, I've seen cows in, in uh, you know, cars, yeah. and the cows are wandering around on the interstate. Well, we know, had one one of those things. We had something just like that. We had something just like that uh, a few years ago, right here uh, north of Binghamton, up at Exit Six, and and the cops, uh -huh. the cops wanted to yeah. protect the privacy. The state troopers, they wanted to protect the privacy of the cows because of HIPAA. Yep, yeah, and they help a lot. Yeah, but the cops wouldn't let the media get get there to take pictures of the crash because the cops were too too interested in protecting the privacy of the cows. And I thought HIPAA doesn't cover cows, but oh boy, they, they would yeah. they would hear none of it. They would hear none of it. They wouldn't would not allow media coverage because apparently they thought the cows deserved their privacy. But I I thought I thought covering news in America. I thought that was freedom of the press. Oh, boy, I tell you. Yeah, yeah, I guess I got it wrong. I anyway, appreciate your call. It's, I never understand that. When people are trying to regulate coverage of news events in public, no less. I understand if you've got a news event going on in private, you probably are within your rights not to allow the media to cover it. But if it's out in public, oh, no, you can't cover that. Get away. Get away. Do you want to be arrested? Of course not. I just want to do my job. You, you let me do my job, and you know it's. But again, I understand you got to protect the rights, <laughs> privacy of cows, a cow HIPAA law.
Well, Elsie didn't want her picture on the website. 1131, this is Bob Joseph. It's all going to be in my forthcoming book, folks. A lot of stories that remain to be told. Thursday morning, this is WNBF, 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. If I could write you a song to make you fall in love, I would already have you up under my arm. I used the ball of my tricks. I hope that you like this, but you probably won't. You think you're cooler than me. You got designer shades just to hide your face, and you wear them around like you're cooler than me. And you never say hey or remember my name, and it's probably cause you think you're cooler than me. Yeah? <laughs> 11.34 at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com on your Thursday morning. By the way, if you ever have a news tip, by all means, contact me. Usually the best way is email bob at WNBF.com. So if you see something going on, feel free. To just shoot a note, Bob, at WNBF.com, if you want to be extra helpful, uh, include your phone number, and that way, after I receive your news tip, I can contact you if I have any questions. And I do appreciate the news tips, because uh, not everything is going to pan out and turn into uh, a big news story, but, but you never know. And the one thing that um, I stress to people is if and when you see something, say something. Because I, it's not uncommon that I am speaking with someone or get an email from someone uh, hours or even days after something happened. And they said, well, I was going to let you know or I was going to take a picture and send it to you. And then I f but they figured, oh, you already knew. And sometimes it's true. Sometimes I already know about something, but don't assume. Truth is, you know, sometimes, sometimes I don't know everything. So every, every news tip is appreciated. And again, if you're in, so inclined, include your contact information so... In the event I want to follow up or try to figure out some more information, I can get in touch with you. But we'll keep your name out of it, which is the way most people want it. Okay, I can tell you something, but please, please, I'll get fired. Which is odd in this country. Everybody seems to be afraid to have their name attached to a news story because, oh, I'll get fired or somebody won't like me. Yeah. So much for freedom. You can speak, but there will be repercussions. Let's see. Oh, interesting. According to Nick Reisman at Spectrum, it's a story about trying to provide better mental health services on college campuses in New York. And I think this is important. Actually, it's sort of 
in a strange way tied into we we talked at one point on Wednesday's program about safe rooms at campuses and if there are any actual real safe rooms that are called that on any campuses around here and I think some colleges and universities do have specialized rooms where you can go if you just want to take a break or find a calm place but I haven't seen anything right now that's currently operating here in the Binghamton area that is actually a safe room but I can see we're all under stress and I I wouldn't mind finding a nice quiet place sometimes after a, a really busy day but anyway the assembly I believe it's the assembly and senate with their they were holding a public hearing to figure out what they can do to improve mental health care programs for college students who are still struggling, especially after the pandemic. So hopefully there will be more efforts. And I think there really need to be some stronger efforts to provide mental health services for young people, college students, and younger students high school students even elementary school students are in great need of better services because life is tough it's terrible for some kids whether they're dealing with pandemic issues problems at home uh, bullies at school sometimes they're dealing with a combination of things and unfortunately at times, they feel there's no no place to turn. So I think more services are needed, especially for young people, but certainly for everyone, regardless of age. I think more emergency counseling services are, are appropriate in New York State to help people at the time they need help. It's 1139 at WNBF with Bob Joseph. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? morning, Bob. Dave from Binghamton. How are you? Good. Yeah, it's good. Um, so speaking of nowhere to turn, but um, nowhere to park is one thing people might think at the mall shortly because they're um, uh, expanding the construction zone near the former Ruby Tuesday entrance. And just so people know that there's actually parking elsewhere, they're trying to push people to uh, the north end. But, of course, if you want to do the south end, another option is to go through JCPenney. Um, so they're definitely making more and more changes as time goes on now. Well, is that parking on, on the north end of the mall? Is that uh, now open? Are, are they really encouraging people? I was there a few days ago, and all I saw was, was a cop uh, keeping an eye on things. There was a, a marked unit up at the north end parking lot, and I almost went over to see what's up. But then I thought, no, the officer is busy monitoring what's going on at the mall, so I wouldn't bother the officer. But is that parking area even open? Yep, yep. So okay. the uh, the south end with all the construction, uh, it, like I said, is expanding. Um, and it's kind of interesting, you know, Town Square, their construction, even though it's still ongoing, they opened up parking um, for the holiday period, and Oakdale kind of is shutting down a, a bunch, but they definitely have a lot. Do you think they can put in a, a parking garage over there at the Oakdale Commons? I think that would be handy. You know, get one of these companies that 
puts those parking garages together, like gets the, the concrete there from Massachusetts and then drives it down I-88. Do you think it would be good if they could open up a, a parking garage near the uh, sports house? I think a parking garage there would be a good idea, um, especially if they keep adding more businesses in the uh, parking lot. Um, but of Again, everything needs to work well um, with a new look, but also hopefully they don't get the same companies that overcharge the city of Binghamton. Yeah, well, it's private enterprise, so they'll probably drive a harder bargain. By the way, what about the idea of driving these giant gasoline tankers through the mall parking lot? That's going to be fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the six gas pumps will be by Reynolds Road, uh, which also is an interesting thing. So the um, because of the proximity of the gas station or the gas pumps, they want it to be near the store from what I saw in the village uh, meeting minutes. And so those actual building for anchor number two um, is actually going to be 40 feet away from the mall structure. So the, the large anchor two will be detached. Yeah, I from, heard the, the like. I heard the store is called Bob Joseph's Place. Like if you had a club <laughs> named for a local radio host, you would call it Bob Joseph's Place. And then I could sell yeah. gas and I could sell thousands of items at discount prices. I would call it like a radio warehouse club for my listeners. Bob Joseph's Place. I mean, you, you've been wanting the Bible Mart for so long and we didn't even know you already had it. See? See, be prepared. I think this might have been the big announcement that Jason Garner was alluding to. By the way, didn't you write me a note about that uh, situation over on, on the parkway where the, the caller yesterday was mentioning about that traffic signal that he thought maybe the timing was off? Didn't you uh, have your, your own yeah. thought about what's going on at that intersection? Yeah, so like most places on the parkway, people tend to not stop immediately when it starts to uh, turn red from yellow. Um, and, and so that's what I'm assuming uh, when people are going straight, even though someone might be coming off of African Road, um, when it turns green, people are like, oh, no, I need to get to Walmart, so let's get through this light. And they they do that. And that's even at the new uh, light at Plaza Drive, yesterday I noticed um, someone was waiting to turn left at the red light to Plaza Drive. And as I was coming down the hill, the uh, their light was still red because it was yellow for me, and they turned left. Um, so I guess they were tired of waiting for the new light. Um, but, yeah, so it's, a, it's an ongoing issue on the parkway for sure everywhere. Yeah, I think if I was uh, in charge of uh, traffic for the, uh, I guess they call it VPD, I think that's their name now, VPD, I would put uh, some additional units along the parkway corridor and, and do, what, what would you call it, um, like a detail for about 10 days and publicize it on the news. Like basically, we're going to stringently enforce things like red lights, speed, and even uh, cracking down on, on people who, shall we say, drive with a poor attitude. Like in the left lane? Yeah, like those people. <laughs> don't don't you think that would be a good idea? That's what I would do if I if I was the uh, traffic director at VPD. That would be an interesting detail for sure. That make um, a lot of money. Get a few results. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, a lot of revenue, but, but you know, with me as the guy in charge of traffic on the parkway, for me, it wouldn't be so much about money. It would be about saving lives. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. I, what I want is fewer crashes because my understanding is every day, every day, and you might not believe this, Dave, every day along the parkway corridor in Vestal, there's at least one crash. 100% true. Yeah. And and I also talked with a cop who's familiar with some of those crashes, and he told me almost all of them could have been avoided if only the drivers were paying attention. Yep. Well, attention is definitely uh, yeah. something lacking. All right. Well, uh, thanks for the update. And, again, if, um, if you see me at my new uh, place there at the Oakdale Mall called Bob Joseph's Place, uh, remember, if you're a member of the Bob Joseph Club, if you're a fan, you can get a, a 70 cent discount per gallon on gas. Awesome. How about the hot dogs? Uh, <laughs> sorry, no hot dogs. However, on Sundays at, at Bob Joseph's place at the mall, in addition to 70 cents off a gallon of gas, you can also get a mean chicken sandwich for five ninety nine. Because I've decided that's an opportunity. It'd be Sundays only. You, you can't get any chicken sandwiches at Bob Joseph's place at the mall except on Sundays. Oh, wow. You see what uh, I'm saying? Be, uh, day to go. <laughs> yeah, Thank yeah, you. Compete, compete with the parking lot. Yep. Thank you. 1146. This is Bob Joseph. Millions of ideas. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. It's uh, Dave from Vestal. Yeah. Did you hear they were going to come up with a detail on the parkway to crack down on bad drivers? Yes, I did hear that. And uh, I also called to give you feedback here on the assignment you gave me yesterday. Um, safe rooms, Bob. Uh, there is one at Binghamton University, but it's not the kind that I've been hearing about. You can go in and have discussions. I, I don't. I don't disagree with those. Those are good to have. But Cornell has them. Ithaca College has them. And I want to give you a couple universities that have the ones that I heard about before, like University of Utah. Not, not only do they have um, safe rooms, Bob, they have what they call a cry closet where you can go in with stuffed animals, and the only rule they have is you can only cry for 10 minutes, and then you have to get out and let someone else go in. Uh, so I just looked up on the Internet for Cornell and safe room, and I'm getting no no hit. So tell me where the safe room is at Cornell. They have more than one on the search I did yesterday, and at the college, too, both. Yeah, I'm looking at it. says, okay, I, it doesn't show up in my search, but I'm using Google, so that probably explains oh. it. They're a liberal... Yeah. Yeah. Google's a liberal outlet, so. But you're saying both Ithaca College and Cornell actually yeah. have safe rooms, okay? Well. Yes, and BU too. And, and no, Bob, BU doesn't. Uh, w wait, well, I'm I, I'm going to well, do a search again. Binghamton University well, they, and safe room. Hold on. But they call it a different name. No, that's we what. Can go no, you can. Right. right, you can. It's just right. like here at the station. We have we call it a conference room. You could call it a right. safe room. Right. I'm talking about at Binghamton University or SUNY Broom. I want to see a thing that has a sign that says safe room. And I, yeah, believe, I believe they don't exist. Bob, U University of North Carolina. I'm not going to the University of North Carolina. I have no interest. Um, you know, I'm focused here on, on New York State, and I, I still 
find out what room or what building the safe room is at Cornell because I want to go to Cornell. I want to take a picture or a video. I want to go to the safe room at Cornell to do a story about it. Bob, you know who has the most safe rooms? I didn't. Find me the, again, help me, Dave. Help me, please. Find the room number and the building at Cornell that has the safe room, okay? Bob, you can do that. Okay. I can't. My Google isn't working that way. There's something wrong with my Google. But if you can find me the building at Cornell, preferably, I hope it's close to the ice cream place, the dairy bar, let me know where at Cornell University in Ithaca the safe room and it has to say outside the the entrance that it's safe room because every university has conference rooms discussion areas as i say here at the station we have a couple of them you know some people would look at them and say hmm that's a safe room and sometimes we even have a cute dog wandering around here and people would say oh well that's for wnbf safe room so if anybody wants to feel calm, they can go into the conference room with the dog and have, have a few quiet minutes. Now, I want to see at Cornell where their room is that actually says safe room because it's not showing up on my Google search. It's 11.50. Just asking a few questions here on WNBF 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM and streaming at WNBF.com. When I added... Joseph broadcasting from WNBF Safe Room. Seven fifty-three, Bob Joseph live. Yes, everything is safe and everything is sound. There's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear here. The White House. I'm looking now at the screen because Fox News Channel has a chyron that says White House claims Biden has been to the border. So I, I'm not sure if the president has been. At the border, it says uh, critics rip KJP for claiming Biden visited the border. So poor KJP being ripped for claiming Joe Biden visited the border. And interesting. That's it's called a lower third in TV. The Chiron. That's the bottom. Critics rip KJP for claiming Biden visited border. So there. Or KJP being ripped 
according to Fox News Channel. Now, let me just see what MSNBC, if they have anything about KJP on MSNBC. And no, oddly enough, they have a story about uh, Biden and French President Macron had a, having a meeting today ahead of the state dinner. So nothing about KJP being ripped. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Martin from Binghamton. Hey, what's up? Hey, good morning. Hey, um, you know, he's talking about life being hard. My God, um, I was leaving the park the other night and noticed my car didn't start that well. And driving down the block, battery light came on. So I happened to be by uh, AutoZone, let him test it, said the battery was bad. Now, I knew it was bad. I was hoping to get it a little bit longer. But anyway, so I thought I'll get, get one the next day. So I'm looking through Google, and I see Susie Orman had an article. One-third of Americans can't afford $400 for an emergency. And she told a story about a woman that her battery died in her car, and it was on the road, and she couldn't do it, didn't have anybody to help her or whatever. So then the car gets towed, and then now she's got towing fees and uh, storage fees and everything else. And so she ends up with, you know, like a $1,200 bill over because she couldn't afford $220, $250 for a battery. And, but that's pretty sad. A third of Americans, 110 million, don't have $40 or, for, or don't have $400. Yeah, I'm just looking at that um, story. A third of working adults feel somewhat or very uncomfortable about their ability to pay a $400 expense in an emergency. That is, uh, that, that shows that too many Americans are in a very precarious position right now. Yes, and, um, you know, after the, the great economy that, you know, four years of uh, the other guy there, and then to a Biden, and so, but, you know, it's just a, a, a terrible statement. And they say that we're still locked into wages from the early 80s, you know, from trickle-down, that it still needs to be adjusted. And But, you know, there's the proof in the pudding right there, man. I mean, you know, I saw an article about two years ago, and it showed a, it was in the press, and it showed a guy looking up at his leaky uh pipe in the cellar and it was about plumbing expenses and it was the same thing basically i i thought it was 300 at that time but anyway but the point is that i hey i'm, I'm just fortunate that i was able to go to get a, a battery and but you know look at the trickle-down effect and then if you read if you read the article about it you'll, you'll see that other people then they take out loans and then they're hit with high interest rates and you know and it's just uh a snowball effect from there but yeah. you know no it's a sad situation it seems a lot of times the way things are set up it's the people who have the least amount of money who wind up being hit the hardest when they are in a position where they have to borrow yes you and, know it's, it's a shame it makes things harder yeah Appreciate the call. Hope you have a good afternoon. It's 11.57. This is Bob Joseph on your side on News Radio WNBF. Hi. I'm
Joseph live, proudly proclaiming mission accomplished. It's 12 noon. This is WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.